You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Hey, we're back. We're the Fantasy Joes. We are one week into the NFL season. I am at Roto Librarian, Ryan Livergood, joined by two fine gentlemen. First, from North Carolina, we've got Trey Barrett. Trey, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? Well, man, it's a, whew, <laughs> a, little, bit of a little bit of a crazy week one, um, which I just found out about yesterday. So <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a interesting, man. It's panic time. Let's panic, guys. Hey, those rookie drafts from a couple years ago where I, where I deeply reached for John Ross, it's, it's paying off for me now, baby. Right? Uh, on the few teams I still have them on my roster. Also joining us from the Pillow Palace in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Will the Thrill Greenwood, everybody. Do-do-do. Ryan, I traded up in a league one that year for John Ross and Mike Williams and have traded them away since then. And, you know, two years ago, Will's kicking himself now. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) What do you mean so much about Mike Williams, who all of a sudden... um, has a horrible week one and is injured, like every other Los Angeles Charger player right now. Yeah, you kind of trade in, though, for the Pillow Palace, so it's worth it. And we were getting some great quarterback talk. Ryan, how are you doing, first of all? Because I don't feel like you ever give your, your thoughts about how you're doing, because you oh. ask us, and we're very, very selfish. In oh, our, well, our thank you. I'm glad you guys are so considerate after one of the most disappointing um, games I've ever watched in my life, the Chicago Bears – in the, in the Chicago area, people are, you know, hyping them up. We're going to crush the Packers, going to come out. And the, the, the offense is going to take a leap forward. It's the second year in the system for Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy's system. And it was horrible. Not only did Nagy call a horrible game and just kind of uh, – he's so predictable. You know, looking back to last year, it was clear that Green Bay knew what was happening, what was coming. Mitch Trubisky looked like a deer in headlights. He looked lost. So it's horrible. I can't defend him anymore. Uh, I can go on and on. This is not a Bears podcast. But, but yeah, I, I mean – I'm seriously concerned about the Chicago Bears offense. I, I guess they have to get better in theory, but man, Mitch Trubisky looked horrible and he, and he shouldn't have. And I, I don't buy the whole, well, it's because they didn't play in the preseason. He didn't get snaps. I, I'm, I'm worried about Mitch Trubisky, but. Can I, can I buy into the theory that I think Nagy was trying to be too smart? Yeah, I, I, th- I think you can. I, and I, I do, think that. I, I actually think that, do kind of buy into that. Like he's be, trying to be too cute. Like it just was, it was just. Trying to like trying to flex his intelligence as a coach, and it, it went horribly bad for him. Yeah, you know, I think that that's what these, you know, um, younger head coaches, these offensive gurus, do need to figure out. They need to evolve and adapt over time. That's what makes the Patriots so good, and Bill Belichick the the goat that he is. Because like Sean McVay, I I would argue the same thing in the Super Bowl. They didn't really try to change their offense or change things up. It's like the Pats knew what was going to happen. And look what happened to the Rams in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, these teams have to evolve. These coaches have to evolve, and, and that hasn't happened. But, it, it, guys, it was just a, a really fascinating week one. A lot of surprises. Um, <laughs> some unexpected things happened. And, and, and I was saying before we started recording that doesn't this happen every week? We're always surprised about week one. But, Will, you found some stats. You're indicating that, no, this is, this is an outlier. This definitely was not week one. Well, I'm going to pull those up now. I thought we were going to talk about Baker Mayfield's potential concussion and whether or not we believe in Trubisky first. <laughs> well, we can do that. Uh, so, Trey, you know, I got to give you credit. What, you know, one of the things we want to do is we want to 
um, you know, not get locked into the way we feel. And I know months ago we were all pretty excited about the Browns, but on the last episode you were like, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on the Cleveland Browns. And that's looking really smart now because the Browns didn't look so good and Baker Mayfield didn't look very good. So, you know, what, what do we think about the Browns? What do we think about Baker Mayfield? Does he, I don't know that you can go out and buy him. People are like, Oh, he's a buying dynasty. You go out and buy him. But you know, after one week, is it, you know, are people that believe in Baker Mayfield are really going to be like, Oh, I got to sell. I got to panic sell. I don't think that's going to happen. But what do we think about the Browns now? I think, I, I mean, ultimately I think there's a few fringe guys that we're changing our valuation on slightly based on week one performances opportunities, you know, a guy like John Ross, maybe, you know, gains a little bit of value, but, but, but by and large guys like Baker Mayfield, guys like Nick Chubb, guys like Corey Davis, you, you know, I, I'm not changing one iota of, of how I valued them prior to week one. Okay. It's one week. It, one of the things you have to remember is we live in the day and age when a lot of starters, we talked about this kind of off the air after the Thursday night game last week, you know, it, it kind of showed that the offensive starters for, for neither of those teams played a lot of snaps in the preseason, right? They, they just look sloppy. And I'll tell you, the Tennessee Titans are a better football team than they're being given credit for. Marcus Mariota is, is showing what he, uh, you know, essentially had shown before last year when he was, you know, one-armed quarterback and uh, the Browns biggest weakness is their offensive line and Tennessee's defense is a little bit underrated under the radar I think Tennessee is a really good team and so I think that it was just kind of a perfect storm I think Mayfield will rebound I think the Browns will rebound but you know I just I don't think that obviously it was shocking the way that the score ended up um, and and Baker Mayfield may have been pressing a little so I you know I think you hold steady you, you, you keep keep the faith and you know if there's people in your league that are panic selling or or wanting to, you know, make a move. If he has another bad week next week, it's certainly worth, you know, sending some offers out. So going up against Greg Williams and that Jets defense, it's Monday Night Football, I believe. Are you a little bit worried that the Cleveland offense might struggle? Because Greg Williams, in theory, should know how to shut down that offense. If you, if you want to buy into that narrative. You know, and no, I think no. another thing along those lines – the Vic Fangio narrative, the one positive thing for the Bears is their defense looked great. And that Vic Fangio's defense for Denver didn't look nearly as good against the Oakland Raiders. And it does turn out that no matter how good a defensive coordinator you are, if you don't have the same, you know, players in your system that you need, your, your defense isn't going to look as good. So I think that's kind of interesting. Not as many people are calling Vic Fangio a defensive genius. He's a great defensive coach, but you do have to have the players. So does Greg Williams have the players and with new – New York Jets to shut down the Browns. No, yes, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I want to bring back to, to to week one a little bit too, like the the Browns and what they were doing in Ty Ryan for not having this prepared like right away. But uh, you know, yeah, I I what a one thing I like to look at and what I feel like is a good like statute to go by for acquiring players is let's go by targets, right? Let's go by targets for what receivers are doing from last year. And I didn't, unfortunately, pull up 2019 just right before this. But so last year, let's go targets. Week one, I'm just going to go down the list here real quick. And we can compare it to this year and how wild this week one has been and how much more fun this year could potentially be. Because uh, week one last year, it goes Julio Jones at 19 targets, Michael Thomas at 17, Antonio Brown at 16, Odell Beckham at, at uh, 15, Jarvis Landry at 15, Golden Tate at 15, 
Uh, Melvin Gordon had 13. Corey Davis had 13. Jared Cook, 12. Kenny Galladay, 12. Uh, Kamara, 12. Adam Thielen, 12. Emmanuel Sanders, 11. Uh, Keenan Allen, 11. DeAndre Hopkins, 11. Basically, you had your whole run. There was not really a massive surprise in targets. I think besides running backs kind of creeping up there early last year, it may be Jared Cook for, for the Raiders uh, sneaking into that, that top 10 in targets from last year. Versus this year, we saw uh, a couple of rookies dominate some targets. We saw Jameson Crowder lead the league in targets with 17 in week one. And I, I'm just not sure how to react to this. And I'm very excited about what 2019 presents because we don't – I guess maybe maybe it's a horrible it's, – it's, it's not great analysis at all, but it just shows how little we know about what's going to happen uh, coming into week one. That, that's the truth. And, and, it, and I think it is fascinating looking at the, the target numbers. I, I mean, j- just cherry picking some names, like the top two names. Yeah. Jameson Crowder was 17 targets, Danny Amendola, 13 targets, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's a big name, but 13 targets. <laughs> uh, yeah. John Ross. A lot of that has to do with uh, AJ green injury, no doubt. And, and a new offense though, 12 targets. You've got like guys like Keyshawn Johnson, obviously Arizona threw the ball a lot, 10 targets. So yeah, some really surprising names on, on that list. Dante Moncrief, talk about a quiet game considering the guy had 10 targets, only three catches for seven yards, <laughs> uh, but he had 10 targets. Yeah. What a wild week. It, it, it is, it is fascinating what, what week one looked like when you look at this kind of stuff and at that level. And I, th- I think one of the things that you have to take into consideration more than just the, pure target number is target volume percentage of the total targets right because if a if a guy has 10 targets in on a on a day where his quarterback threw 55 passes then you know that's a lot less impressive than a guy that has 10 targets and his quarterback threw 35 passes right and so i think that that helps contextualize a little bit obviously targets are important um, and, and it'll be interesting to see Jamison Crowder. I mean, that that's a just massive, massive number um, as far as targets are concerned. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch as we move forward. Um, and, and I and I think it, you know, you you there's there's definitely some context to some of the big performances of the week. Um, one of my favorite, you know, again, I, I was a little bit, I, I was pretty inundated this weekend and and didn't get to consume a lot of football. So it's been a lot of retrospective. Um, looking at, at the statistics and box scores uh, for me. But one of the things that was the most shocking to me is, you know, Marquise Brown, right? Hollywood Brown. This is a guy that everybody, everybody with the, with a rare exception was sleeping on in, in the rookie process. Right. And he was the number one wide receiver selected in the NFL draft. And, and nobody really seemed to care. There were uh, multiple other wide receivers that were, were taken ahead of him in, in rookie drafts. And so, you know, all he does is come out and, and put up um, – I, I don't remember how many fantasy points he has. I know he's the wide receiver five, right? So, I mean, it's a r- ridiculous uh, fantasy points that he put up. The crazy thing is, if you look, he played 14 snaps in that game. 14 snaps, which is like 18% of the offensive snaps. That is absolutely absurd. I think he had like a 19% um, target share on an 18% snapper. I mean, you want to talk about completely and totally unsustainable. There were, I believe, there were four wide receivers, four wide receivers on his own team 
that outsnapped him. So he was the he was the fifth wide receiver on his team in snaps. So I, I just think you know that's one of the and I'm not I'm not saying that what he did you know I'm I'm not saying Marquise Brown is is an absolute sell high because I really like him and I think he's got a great uh, a great future in the NFL. But you you know it's just one of those performances that was a complete anomaly based on the number. I mean, I guarantee you, he'll never score that many fantasy points again in his NFL career in a game where he plays 14 snaps. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that snap share is so low, but they only they only had uh, – Lamar Jackson only had, like, what, 20 passes total? The, it was also odd because if you look at the Vikings, too, Kirk Cousins had 10 pass attempts. So that, that you know, uh, target share is also very odd. It's a that, that was a very just a very very strange game and honestly I, I don't own I, I honestly don't think I own any Marquise Brown in Dynasty and but I, I'm just very happy that he succeeded in, in that situation like he was given this on a uh, you know like like a golden platter and he slammed it home and what more do you want from a good wide receiver prospect and you know good on Lamar good on uh, Hollywood for uh, taking advantage of it but yeah that's uh, I mean. Is he? It's it's funny because he gets compared to Deshaun Jackson a lot, and it just feels like such a week one Deshaun Jackson stat line. I feel like Deshaun Jackson has done this for years, blown up in week one, and then faded into the the distance. Yeah, I, I think Marquise Brown. A lot of things, you know, kind of went right for them week one. Number one, they played against the Miami Dolphins. They've just rolled over and already given up on the season. Now, granted, that Miami secondary is is decent. I think. But, um, but yeah, that, that's obviously, you know, Marquise Brown is going to come out every week and, you know, go 147 yards and two touchdowns. That's for sure. But I think he will have some big weeks and I think he's a nice dynasty asset to keep, but yeah, he's, he's going to be a guy that's, it's going to be tough to predict when to start him. Cause I think he's going to have some boom weeks and then some really, really poor weeks. But I will say that the Baltimore Ravens offense, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch them as they go along because they've got Arizona Cardinals this week. So another, really nice matchup for that offense, but it's going to get harder. And, you know, where, where are they going to, obviously they're not going to be where they're at now at the, the, the top of the league with all these stats and everything, but it'll be interesting to see what they are, you know, at the end of the season, that, that offense, is it, are they going to come back down to earth? Or are they going to be like an average offense? I, I don't know. They're, they're a fun team to watch a fun narrative going into week two. And that game will be fun. Baltimore versus Arizona and see if, if the Cardinals can build on the, um, you know, fourth quarter and overtime that they had a- against the Detroit Lions. So, another are you under the impression that the Baltimore is going to roll them. What's that? You, are you, are you I, under the impression that Baltimore is going to roll them? I actually am not. You know, I think they're thirteen point favorites at home, aren't they? Is in Baltimore last time I checked? I think that's right. But I don't. I don't. I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think maybe I'm crazy, but I think Arizona is going to going to stay in that game or, or if they get down, they're going to have the ability to come back if, if Baltimore decides to sleep on, on the Arizona offense. So uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch, I think, or, or maybe it's a blowout. We'll see, but I don't know. I, I don't think we don't really know what Baltimore's defense is like either. Cause they played the dolphins. I mean, the, the dolphins, a team has no offensive line, a team that, um, you know, they started killing blahs out of their backfield, a team that is going between Ryan Fitzpatrick and, Josh Rosen. So, do we even know how good their offense was? So, so how good how good is that Baltimore defense? We'll see. Yeah, that game's gonna be a lot of fun. I think that you know Baltimore at home. I think that there's a big difference in Baltimore's defense and and the Lions' defense. I think playing at home versus the the playing 
uh, on the road, or I should say playing on the road, I think for Kyler Murray versus playing at home will, will be a big difference. I, I do think that that game could get pretty ugly. I, I think that it's very interesting to me. You know, Kyler Murray essentially showed us a very this very, very similar performance in the last time we play, saw him play a college game when, when they played um, Alabama, right? He, he just got uh, destroyed in the first half of that game. And then in the, in the second half started to kind of put some things together, but it was too little too late. And so um, it, it was really exciting though, to see them come back and, and to see them force overtime. I, I would have re- really been excited. I don't remember at what point it was. I, I think it was probably maybe, maybe there was like a minute and a half left and the, the Cardinals punted. Um, and, and essentially you knew they weren't getting the ball back. Uh, essentially. I think when they made that decision to punt, they were essentially saying this game's going to end in a tie. Maybe even been less than a minute left. And yeah, I was really I hate, disappointed. I, 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 I wanted them, you know, come on, you, let's just be real. You, and, and I guess, you know, from, from Cliff Kingsbury's perspective, he's got to maintain uh, a mindset of getting whatever he can. So a tie is better than a loss. But in my opinion, at that point, with all of the momentum that they had, I think that they, that was a perfect opportunity for him to put his footprint on. And, and honestly, I think the Cardinals fans would have appreciated him going for it there, even if they had lost, uh, as opposed to punting and settling for a tie. And, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he made the right move, and maybe eight weeks from now they're sitting at like four, three, and one, and they're you know in the wild card race. I think that's a wild, wild possibility, and I'm not suggesting it. But you know, eight, ten weeks from now, maybe we'll look back and think that's a bad take on my part. But I was just disappointed. I, I wanted to see them go for it. I was disappointed to see them settle for the kind of like last year, right? You know, the Browns had that early tie um, and, and uh, there, there was not, not quite the same scenario played out, but I, I was bummed. I, I wanted to see them win that game. It would have been a pretty, pretty great storybook. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm telling you guys, we don't know how good that Baltimore defense is going to be. They were going to get up against the Miami Dolphins. They lost five starters last year from their defense. So, It'll be interesting. I think Arizona's well, going to hang with Baltimore. I, I mean, I think they're at least going to cover. They, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win. But. And Trey, to reference that that call too. Remember when Frank Reich, Reich went for it on like it was like a fourth and five ish type of play on their own side against the Texans when it was the Colts and Texans last year, and he kind of got he kind of got roasted for it, being like, "Well, I, I you know, either want to win or lose the game. This is going to be a big play." And for for Kingsbury, like. It shocked me that they didn't didn't go for it. They were rolling, they were they were firing. I feel like on at least like five of six cylinders. Let's say if they were a six cylinder engine, <laughs> and you know, nice little nice little pass like Fitzgerald right there could have gotten them the first down easily. At least you find out whether or not your team can make plays under pressure. If you're not going to try to, if you're not trying to win for this year, you're not trying to tie for this year. You know, like let's see how this goes. Uh, it's not like Liv Fitzgerald isn't getting any younger. So the, with, with that team and what they're doing, I am a little surprised that the offensive genius didn't go for it with his offense on the field. And it was very disappointing in that coaching decision uh, on all spectrums. So, I, it, yeah, I am hating on Kingsbury for that. I, I don't even care. Like, that was a horrible call. Like, go for it, man. Come on. So also in that game – we saw the emergence of TJ Hawkinson, maybe. I mean, was that the breakout? Was it the first game of his NFL career? <laughs> yeah. What, was it the best first game ever for a tight end? Was it? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I, I, 
I didn't see God that. Bless. Woo! Yeah, he's from Iowa. No one knew that. So thanks for pointing that out, Will. Uh, so what do you guys think about TJ Hawkinson? I, I mean, it was a pretty awesome performance. Six for 131 and a touchdown. Uh, is, is he the real deal? It, was this just a game against a really bad Arizona Cardinals defense? What do you, what do you guys think? Or, or is it just too early to tell? It was a game against a really bad Arizona defense. Horrible. He is free running for a lot of those catches. So, but uh, you know, how can you not be intrigued? So let's say let's say you have, oh, let's say you have um, Austin Hooper on your team. You got Austin Hooper or T.J. Hawkinson that you can start at tight end. Who are you going to start next oh, week? The one that has pedigree and talent. Okay, what about Mark Andrews? The one that has pedigree and talent. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm probably much, I, I, you know, I think that there's probably not going to be a defense that is going to be susceptible to being beat by any position as the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And so I, I think it's probably going to be very challenging. You know, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, you know, both put up pretty solid performances. I, I, it would not shock me whatsoever, given the division that they play in, if this is TJ Hawkinson's biggest fantasy production of the season. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he had a, a better a better game. But, you know, 131 yards receiving on only six catches um, and one touchdown, I, it's going to gonna be hard to top. So I think that you have to, from a dynasty perspective, sure, this is a great showing. Uh, but as far as an in-season, you know, starting, you know, I, I mean, like Marquise Brown is not a lock to start next week for your fantasy team. What he did in week one has nothing to do with his outlook for week two. So I, I would just, I would be a little bit cautious before I start TJ Hawkinson over someone that I drafted above him or that I, you know, hold more favorably in a redraft perspective. I think you have to be cautious about that. And so, I forget who they play. They play the, the, um, Chargers, I think, in week two. It's a yeah, home right. game. It's That's a home right. game. But they, but they do play the Chargers. And the Chargers are on a completely different level than the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to defense. So, you know, I, I think you and, – and I don't know who, who Hooper – I mean, we just talked about the, the – uh, Mark Andrews actually gets that Arizona Cardinals defense that the, Hawk, the Hawkinson just shredded. So, yeah, the I would, I Falcons wouldn't... host the Eagles this week. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fault somebody for starting Mark Andrews over TJ Hawkinson this next week, but as a you know an Iowa fan, I would yell at them from afar. I, I think the two fascinating tight end stories from the weekend are, are Hawkinson, and then that late Monday night game, Darren Waller. I, I mean, the, you know, we heard about the hype, and, and some people bought in, and and he performed. You know, he <laughs> eight targets, seven catches, seventy yards looked. Looked pretty good. I mean, like, you know, he passed the eye test for me. But not a lot of pedigree in a guy that has an interesting history. We were talking about this offline today. And one of the things I remembered when we were talking about how to value him that I remembered was the substance abuse history. And that, that's a concern for me because that's a red flag. That's something that could come up again because we've seen it before. But how do you guys value Darren Waller? Evan Ingram West. I like to, <laughs> like to call Hey, listen, the 2019 tight end one does not appreciate being compared to Darren Waller. The 2019 tight end one could, wishes he put up Darren Waller stats. 
Just okay. I mean, Hunter. 11 catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. We're, we're talking relatively about, decent. We're talking about Evan Ingram. That, that was my, <laughs> my call. I was one year too early on Evan Ingram. One year too early. Darn it. Yeah. Uh, d- definitely, you know, looking really good. <laughs> 14 targets in week one for Evan Ingram. Yeah, which um, is second most in the NFL. Only second to Jamison Crowder. I mean, Evan Ingram <laughs> is – and, 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 again, it's a 32% target share. I mean, he, he had a massive, he massive target share. He so, is the number one target in that, de- that dude, offense. Dude, he, yeah. he is going and, – and when I think it's only going to get better. I mean, it's very well documented how awful, how, how terrible targets are from – from Eli Manning. So anyway, I think, I think Darren Waller's a guy that you have to keep into keep in perspective, right? There's a lot of people that are taking victory laps. I saw on Twitter today, several people that mentioned talking about Darren Waller as a buy in the off season and the camp reports that were glowing and all of these things. And, and again, so it, it, it's just one week. You're, you're talking about an offense that just lost their number one wide receiver in the last 10 days. They, you know, Darren Waller is not intended to be the number one target in that passing offense. It's ultimately, I would even be surprised if they didn't bring in another wide receiver at some point in the coming weeks, especially, you know, considering they just got to win, right? They're one to know. And I think that there's some promising things that that offense is doing. So I think you have to temper expectations. You know, we talked about this earlier kind of offline and, and Will was talking about would would you sell Darren Waller in a two tight end league for a, a 2021 first and I would I, I just I would cash out he's a sixth round draft pick you know the likelihood that he becomes a productive long-term asset for your dynasty team in a two tight end league is, is just incredibly rare so I I would continue to temper expectations I, I think it's going to be shocking for him to have very many games where he leads that team in targets and receiving uh, I'm, I'm just uh, so, but but deciding that uh, Evan Ingram is going to be a massive force at tight end too seems like a little bit of a jump, pretty heavily. I mean, he just got he, he was you know he's banged up last year, the year before that uh, you had Odell Beckham out, and and now with the rest of the receiving core hurt or suspended, uh, I'm, I'm like I, I think that Evan Ingram is a great sell candidate right now in redraft leagues. And, and you know, go to Holden Dynasty, but that also seems a little bit premature on that end. And I'm not a big Darren Waller fan. Don't, don't, I'm not trying to spin it that way. But I think that taking the like saying that Evan Ingram now this is this is his uh, ceiling. I mean, that game was a blowout. That game was never really close between the Giants uh, and Cowboys. So like he, I mean, you know, he scooped up a lot of you know a lot of stuff when when the game didn't really matter. So I'm just. But- you know, it's it's very interesting to me. Like that 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 one game shouldn't be an end all. Well, it's not. But Evan Ingram is in you know rare company. I mean, basically, um, you know, it's him and Gronk over the past how many years that their rookie seasons have have been at the top of that tight end leaderboard. If you look at his rookie year, Evan Ingram was number five in PPR leagues. You know, so uh, you know he's he's you know he does have a track record of, of being very impressive. So I, I think his third year in the league. Um, and now he is the – okay, Saquon Barkley is the centerpiece of the offense, but Evan Ingram is number two. And, and it's going to be those two guys, those two skill position players are going to put up the numbers for the Giants. Nobody else is. I mean, you think Golden Tate's going to come back and steal some of that thunder? I don't, I don't see that. Uh, Sterling Shepard's okay. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to – I mean, I, 
I'm, maybe Evan Ingram is not the number one tight end this year. He's got some competition at the top, but can't you lock Evan Ingram in for at least top five, Will, for sure, if not top three? I, it's just, I think it's, it, after week one, I don't think that's a great stance to take. I think if you could move Evan Ingram for, like, Hawkinson right now, you should do that in a heartbeat. In, in redraft? No, in dynasty. Oh, in I wouldn't redraft. do it. I wouldn't do it in either. I wouldn't do it in either. I mean, I, I, I mean, Evan Ingram's elite. I, I think that it would not surprise me at all if he has a, a season very similar to George Kittle's 2018 um, this year. Um, and so he's gonna set the receiving record. I think that he's no, no, no. I'm talking about. I mean, he could. He very well could. He's he's elite. He's an elite athlete. He has elite draft capital. He has everything that you want. Early, early career production. I mean, Evan Ingram has everything that you want in a tight end breakout candidate. He's coming into his third year. So, you know, if he's, if he's healthy, despite being on what's likely to be an awful, awful team, I think, I mean, you know, are you going to count on him to catch 11 passes over 100 yards and touchdown every week? No, of course not. But for me, Evan Ingram hasn't changed one iota as far as you know, being a buy or a sell. I, I think I, I, you know, I, I said, you know, I said, I've said it before that he's much closer for me to that top tier of tight ends than he is to the tier of, you know, OJ Howard, um, Njoku, Hunter Henry, uh, Fant, Hawkinson, any of those guys. And, and week one didn't change that for me. I, I think I would, I think Evan Ingram is going to have an incredible, I think top five tight end is, unless he gets injured is almost a, a lock. And I, I think top three is probably more likely. Um, you know, I did find it interesting not to go on and on and on about Evan Ingram because I know we've talked about him before. I did find it interesting that four tight ends had 20-plus point weeks in week one, and none of them were named George, Zach, or Travis. So, you know, uh, you've got this – I think of all of the <laughs> positions, of all of the positions, you know, you, there's those clear-cut three guys in redraft and in dynasty – um, and, and, you know, I don't think any of them completely bombed. And, and George Kittle actually had, I think, two touchdowns called back because of penalties um, that, that could have pushed him up there. But, you know, for four tight ends to put up 20-plus point PPR weeks and, and none of them be one of those three guys, I think it's kind of a fun, fun yeah. trip. Yeah, that's not going to happen very often. Well, he'll start doing no-look pass to Kelsey, too, and, and airmailed him. Yeah, hard. that's not going to happen uh, very often. And then he was open again. And that, that Ertz Eagles Eagles game, honestly, that I think that was most disappointing and just gives fuel to the fire of that that Ertz regression. Although I'm still I think I'm a buyer of Ertz moving forward. I still think he's gonna be a massive part of that offense. I, I it's I, and this the Evan Ingram part of it, you know, I wanna see more. I, I wanna see the the team focus on him overall and we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm not buying that Giants offense except for Saquon at this moment. And I think even if you could tell high like, like, why would you not want, you know, after even just week one production, uh, I guess this is kind of targeted to you, Trey. Why would you not want a person with higher draft capital uh, who just put up a much bigger week, was much more involved in the offense, and plays in all four downs, including the goal line, and a guy like TJ Hawkinson compared to Evan Ingram? I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I think you're mincing. It, they're both first-round picks. So, and, and I think that there's He's a, different than 23, though. Sure, sure. But I, I also, you know, I, I like Evan Ingram, you know? And it's not – I'm not saying – I just think that, you know, uh, let's, let's see TJ Hawkinson. Let's see him do it over a little stretch here. It's one game. 
he's played one one career NFL game. So and and it, it's impossible for you to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Your 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 Iowa bias is like well, it's funny. my Iowa bias is not good enough. Here. Like so I, you know, I, he's played one NFL game, and and so I, for me, I, you know, I've always been an Evan Ingram fan. I, he's a guy that I've liked, even coming out of college. He he's electric. When you watch him on the field, he's a mismatch. He is a he is in like the top one percent when it comes to athleticism. He's actually I know I talked about this. I think. Is either last offseason, offseason before? Like, when you look at his athleticism and you look at his numbers that he put up at the combine, he's closer to Odell Beckham than he is any other tight end, really that we that we see in the NFL. He, he's completely elite when it comes to athleticism, um, and I think that I think that with I think that with um, Odell Beckham leaving the Giants, it just completely busts the door wide open for. Um, for Evan Ingram. And, and, and to be fair, you know, that Dallas defense is a hell of a lot better than the uh, Arizona defense that Hawkinson shredded, you know, so let's just remember, and, and furthermore, you know, Matthew Stafford is a significantly better quarterback than, than what, you know, Evan Ingram has right now. So I don't, you know, to, to say that Hawkinson had a better week one, I think is not completely caring, comparing apples to apples. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just still prefer Evan Ingram. I think they're both they're both guys that you love to have in dynasty at the tight end position. There's no denying that. I just, I continue to prefer Evan Ingram. It's, it's not a, yeah, not like it's a landslide, you know, well, it's not, not like there's a, a Trey, let's, let's put, let's put it in context. When Evan Ingram scored his touchdown, uh, it was the first score of the game. Just kidding. That's, that's a pro Evan Ingram argument. <laughs> so fun here. It okay. is from the goal line. I think you guys need to do one of these bets like over the next like X number of years since you both feel so passionately about both both players. I so I, I was so I was so I tried to be so reserved about Hawkinson's hype. And I know it's against the Arizona defense, but how can you not be excited about that? You know? Iowa tight end last year sets the receiving record for tight ends. Now it's the it's the best first game for a debut rookie tight end ever. Oof. <laughs> Go to Iowa tight ends of the world. I assume all I assume all like high school tight ends are listening to the, the fantasy Joes here, and your best choice is to go to Iowa. God bless. That's our strongest demographic. How did you know? Yeah, uh, Midwestern tight ends. No fans yelling from Denver. What about me? What about me? Remember me? Catch your passes, Noah. Catch your passes. <laughs> it's not my fault. Joe Flacco's throwing to me. Come on. All right. He basically had the Joe Flacco of college throwing to me though. Or Nate Stanley from Iowa. <laughs> so should be used but like a worse, but a worse version of him. So anyway, neither here nor there. Another fun stat, talking, you know, like looking at the top five wide receivers. And we touched on some of these guys. Uh, five in PPR leagues, the five scored uh, thirty or more fantasy points. So you got Sammy Watkins number one, Deshaun Jackson two, John Ross three, DeAndre Hopkins. That's a name that belongs number four, and Marquise Brown number five. So. You know, not not he he would have predicted going into week one he was going to come out of it as a top five. Uh, yeah, John Ross. Okay, what do you guys make of of John Ross? Because John Ross has the the draft pedigree, right? I mean, early first round pick. He was stuck in a really bad system, and now he's you know we've got this new off uh, new coach in in Cincinnati bringing that Rams offense. I've heard some people say he could be the Brandon Cooks in this offense. John Ross, are you guys buying it? Or or no, I mean, would you send? Uh, I, I I don't know if I seen like on Twitter people paying like twenty twenty second round picks for John Ross. Would you would you do that? Um, I, I think I heard someone, um, uh, Alexander Madison for for John Ross. 
for example, to the Dalvin Cook owner. The Dalvin Cook owner wanted Madison, so they sent Ross for Madison. Ooh. What do you guys think of that deal? Ooh. Well, you, you got some strong opinions here. Sounds I mean, like. very, very fierce opinions coming up. So one of John Ross's touchdowns were is just misplayed by the safety. He mistimed his jump, missed the ball, and John Ross caught it and ran into the end zone. But uh, am I wrong? Like, I, I watched a lot of that game, and John Ross looked good. I feel like he looked electric. He looked fast. He, I mean, he was all over the field. And uh, I don't want to get over-enthusiastic about John Ross because he's probably going to somehow, like, you know, tweak his calf sleeping too hard or something and be out for the rest of the year. But uh, that uh, it, it's to, to me, he's in a case of the injured first two years in the NFL and he might be electric, but like, he's like a Will Fuller as well. I, I don't think he's your ever, you know, he's not your Antonio Brown. He's not in that uh, phylum as Chris Harris would say, to, at least to me. So, wow, man. Yeah, I'd probably send Madison the way for that because, I don't know, I, I feel like like long-term Biden is through that first-round draft pedigree in the new offense and new coaching staff. I, w- I would take that risk. I think I would. I think I would, I would move Madison for Ross pretty easily. So, Trey, you, 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 uh, you got Madison. You, you're eyeing John Ross. John Ross in his 4.22 speed. What are you going to do, Trey? Man, that's tough. I'm probably not making that trade right now. I don't think John Ross is a guy I'm really looking to acquire. Um, this is peak value for him, right? This is, and, and it's likely peak production. I mean, again, the likelihood that he's going to put up 150 yards receiving and two touchdowns again this season is uh, zero. So I, I just don't see me wanting to acquire him. Uh, again, uh, he's got the draft capital. He's got everything you kind of want. And, and it's hard for me too, because I didn't really watch how that, I know he scored his first touchdown on a flea flicker, which is a bit of a, a bit of a um, gimmicky play, you know, was it a busted coverage? I, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into analyzing these, these big time performances like this. So, you know, I, I probably will, will just stand pat and kind of let, see how things play out. Um, I, I, I like John Ross. He's a guy that I was, you know, optimistic about have a few shares kind of here and there, but, um, I'm probably not Alexander Madison's a guy that I like, and and he looked really good to be honest with you. Dalvin cook looked incredible, but Alexander Madison, when he got the the opportunity, I saw some of his carries. He, the guy runs with authority. Actually, I, I thought he looked every bit as good to be honest with you as Dalvin cook on the few plays that I saw him running behind that line. So, so, and it's not, if it's when Dalvin cook gets hurt, uh, Alexander Madison is going to be an incredible, incredible value. So I'm still holding on to that, um, opportunity that Alexander Madison is going to return greater value down the road. So I would rather, I would say if, if I, if I'm going to send Alexander Madison for John Ross, I would need to get at least a second round pick back in return. Um, and, and even then I, I, I probably, it would probably be, even if I got offered John Ross in a potential mid twenty twenty second, I, I probably would would st- stick with Madison. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what John Ross can do and what happens when AJ Green comes back. Because I'm I, I tend to be and I love John Ross coming out of college, but but I tend to be on the conservative side here, and I, I like Alexander Madison a lot. 
So, although I was impressed with Zach Taylor brought to that offense and it also, let's face it, uh, the Seahawks defense is not very good. Um, I think we got a little bit excited because they signed Clowney, you know, going into the year and all of a sudden we kind of like gave them an uptick on their defense, but their defense is, is still isn't very good. And let's see what happens when Cincinnati goes against a, a really good defense. Although going to going on the road to Seattle, I mean that's impressive. But yeah, I was going to say let's let's not take away from you know the, the I think kind of bearing the lead on the I mean John Ross had a really big week right, but the, I think the story of week one for the for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals was Andy Dalton. Um, you know this is a guy that's been kind of buried. I don't know if you guys remember we talked about him and actually I I did a an uh, um, guest appearance on the dynasty trade cast and we were talking about coaching changes and and i mentioned on that on that podcast that i thought that the biggest beneficiary of zach taylor going to cincinnati was going to be andy dalton and zach taylor as a quarterback coach in miami led ryan Tannehill to his best season in the nfl and and if you look at the numbers Tannehill put up under zach taylor's tutelage it was pretty incredible i mean andy dalton in in week one on the road I, i don't it doesn't really matter the talent as much as that's an intimidating place to play for opposing teams. It also and, rained really hard. Yeah, and, and Andy Dalton – I mean, Andy Dalton is leading the NFL in passing yards after week one. And, and I get uh, – like, I'm not trying to be stupid here. But, you know, he, he's also 13th in fantasy points, you know. I, I mean, I think, you know, Andy Dalton at 13th, Mariota putting up a top 10 performance, Matthew Stafford who'd been kind of left for dead again against a – what we consider to be a pretty weak defense, you know, the fourth quarterback in week one. I, I think it was really nice for us to see the resurgence of some of these guys that have been left for dead, especially in the Superflex community this offseason. You know, Mariota and Stafford and Dalton all were available in double-digit rounds in pretty much every Superflex startup you did this offseason. And so, you know, to see Dalton come out and put up, you know, almost a 70% completion percentage at 418 yards, I mean, the touchdowns weren't there, but that's going to come around. Um, I think that was encouraging. And, you know, this is, this is less than three weeks removed from losing probably one of the top 15 wide receivers in the game. So, you know, I, I just think it speaks volumes to, I think, what we can look forward to. I, I'm excited. You know, obviously they lost the game, but they almost, they almost pulled off the win, right? And, you know, I, I think that there's people that think the Seahawks, I mean, the, the Seahawks were a playoff team last year, and, and the Bengals went in there. And so I, I think it's an exciting, you know, it's, it's been – kind of frustrating to own Bengals players in fantasy. So I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I hope that the Zach Taylor and, and Andy Dalton continue to do some nice things there in Cincy. And we remember your uh, full-on Bengals NC-17 orgy last year on the, on the hot take. And it almost worked out. It almost did. But I actually kind of a bone to pick with you guys. Uh, and it's with Corey Davis. And it's with John Ross. And it's with not, not buying into draft capital, pedigree, Things like that. And so, so now that John Ross has put up at least one big game here, beginning of the season, looked good, targeted heavily. Uh, why, why, are you not moving, why are you not moving John Ross higher? I'm kind of surprised by this. This, this should be an, an easy move up in your, your rankings overall in Dynasty. You should be moving to get this player. Maybe after next week when he puts up, you know, for like a couple catches for 45 yards or something like that. But, but after that down game, I am surprised because we have talked about this a lot and he has, what is he missing in, in your, what you want in a dynasty player? Like if somebody offered you Evan Ingram for John Ross, why would you not take that? 
Well, that's not a fair comparison, the Evan Ingram comparison. Well, I think number one, you've got to, you know, the first two years, like how disappointing was he? There was maybe nobody more, more disappointing or frustrating to own in Dynasty than John Ross. I mean, the guy did nothing, nothing for the first year. I shouldn't say that. The first year he did nothing. Last year he had a sporadic touchdown here and there. And then going into this year, yeah, you got to be excited about the offensive system with Zach Taylor, but I don't think Seattle's defense is very good. Number one. And number two, what happens when AJ green comes back? You know, where, where, like how many targets does he get with, with that offense with AJ green, Joe Mixon did not have a very good game either. You know, Joe Mixon is going to, you know, exactly. So he's going to have more than, you know, you know, two catches for seven yards. So he's going to get more integrated into to the offense and to the passing game. So th- that's why I'm just hesitant. I want to see a guy do it more than like one game week one before I really start to, up them, you know, up my, but you take, you uh, take Corey Davis over him all day, right? Yeah, I would. And Corey Davis has never had a better game than John Ross has had. Yeah, but you're talking, about one, I don't know, you're talking about one I don't game. know about that. The last John year had a Ro- huge game. against. Yeah, John, uh, John Ross had 210 yards receiving in his NFL career. Tyler Boyd had that before week. coming into this year. No, 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 no. Tyler Boyd before that. No, Tyler Boyd had a significant – Tyler Boyd had 1,000 yards receiving last year. John no, Ross. two years before last year, Tyler Boyd had nothing coming in. Right, right, but I, I'm tr- so. First of all, John Ross has been a a, a, a picture of injuries. He's had a very difficult time staying on the field. And I, one, I don't rest necessarily trust that the Bengals have shown us a propensity to not make wise decisions in the draft. And I think running a four-two at the combine vaulted John Ross and and we talked on this podcast we kind of liked some of the things that John Ross did we thought he was a little underrated as a route runner Um, I I think that his abilities as a returner you know and and, you know it's pretty well documented how well returners do in the NFL and and so I'm not trying to bury John Ross at all but I also think and, and Corey Davis is a great example first of all I would rather have Evan Ingram over John Ross it's not even close like if I got sent an offer of John Ross and an early 2022nd for Evan Ingram, I would decline it before I even – I wouldn't even have to think about it. It would be an instantaneous denial. Yeah, here's okay? the – sorry, that's a bad example. So, but – and even Corey Davis. I wouldn't – if you offered – if someone offered me John Ross in a 20, early 2022nd for Corey Davis right now, there's no way I'm accepting that. I mean, Corey Davis, like, I get – no, He had no targets. He had three targets. Okay, but here's the thing. Corey Davis yeah. was in on 74% of the snaps. That, in that, that Tennessee, do you know how many targets the wide receivers as a group had for Tennessee in that game? It's the ten. story, story of Corey Davis' life, though. Targets. He had, they had 10 targets. Running backs had 26 touches. That game, their defense dominated that game. Cleveland didn't have a shot, and Tennessee dominated that game. So, I, like, I get – you look at the box score and you see zeros next to Corey Davis. He had almost a thousand yards receiving last year. He's a good wide receiver. So I would rather have Corey Davis night and day compared to John Ross. I'm not going to change that because of one week goose egg by Corey Davis. Now, am I, am I slightly worried that Corey Davis had no catches in week one? Sure. Of course. Again, I did not watch that game beginning to end, but when I look at the box score, I see that he was in, he was the number one wide receiver on that team as far as snaps. He was in the game more than any other wide receiver, okay? I don't know what kind of coverages they use. I don't know if he was double teamed. I don't know what, you know, the, the cornerback, you know, people that are much smarter at football than me can break down, you know, why 
Corey Davis had zero catches and, and only three targets. But, you know, I, I just don't – I'm not completely going to change my opinion drastically. If we're four games in and John Ross has 400 receiving yards and Corey Davis has 150, well, then now maybe we're having a little bit more of a conversation. But one week is just not going to completely change my opinion I mean, it's just, it's on players. It's so much better than any week Corey Davis has ever had. It was just odd to me. Uh, no, and, no, it's not uh, so much better. Well, Corey Davis had a week, nine catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. So he had a couple of big weeks. That's not, two, it, it makes a pretty big difference, right? Like 125 versus 161, right? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not pushing this, this <laughs> argument against one versus the other. I don't think they're valued the same, but we, we kind of have to adjust a little bit, right? More on the fly with this year because this first week, has been very odd, right? Rookie right. wide receivers are crushing it, weirdly enough. Uh, and like, how we're going to adjust to do this? Because we moved Corey Davis up after the end of la- at, like his compiled stats last year were, for Corey Davis were fine, right? Just just about 900 yards, you know, a great amount of targets. But then he has no catches in the first uh, the first game of the season, and that that should matter to me at least. Uh, and I, I'm very, very worried about that. And no, I would not trade Corey Davis shut up for John Ross because you're not maximizing your value and what you can get in the trade. You should ask for something else for sure. But it, it, it should matter that, that somebody else is producing now and, and, some, and another player isn't. So maybe, se- maybe separate like – it's just like the, like the Leonard Fournette. When, he, when he's not producing on that team, that team is just suffering and you're moving him for like a – you know, let's say even like the comparison, if you're getting something else on top with the Marlon Mack last year, things like that. Like, let, let, let's take the – like, how can you win with moving like a Corey Davis for John Ross or, or for another player? Uh, I, I don't know. It, 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 it maybe won't lead to anywhere, but the, the, the disappointment is, has been there in both players. And the fact that one player now blew up in week one, and looks like a key part of that offense, we should, we should value that more, is my opinion. So are you going to trade Nick Chubb for Derrick Henry too? Never hate Derrick Henry, but I'll be wrong about that. Yeah, but, I mean, Derrick Henry put up like 30 <clears throat> points in week one, and Nick Chubb didn't put up 10. So, I mean, clearly, if that's the case, they're both that, draft capital guys. Because, uh, it's very, uh, but it's very no, similar. Nick Chubb didn't put up zero points. But, but Nick Chubb's never put up a week like Derrick Henry has. I mean, it's the but, same but exact Nick, argument. But Nick Chubb never, just... never put up a zero when he was starting. Yeah, yeah but the, the, the key zero, is – like a zero in your lineup. I, the, but the key is you're taking a one week, you know. John Ross had 210 receiving yards in his career through two years coming into yesterday. And he had one big game. And, and so I think what you just have to be – really, coming into last year? I think you just have to be really, really careful about overreacting to one week. And, and that, that to me is 100% what you're doing by suggesting that those two are even in the same ballpark. Again, I, I, I'm not saying it's not concerning that Corey Davis had no catches, but. I know. think it's super concerning. <clears throat> it's concerning, but you know, when, when Tannen Hill is a, is a starter here at week five, six, and Corey Davis is slipping up goose eggs, then I'll be really worried. But let, let's see what happens when when, uh, when there's a change there, and let's say, yeah. and when there's a, d- a different game script. I mean, Tennessee dominated that game, um, which was great for Derrick Henry. So if Tennessee uh, keeps doing that. If you're Derrick Henry under, you gotta love it. Um, but Tennessee's not gonna dominate every game like that. They're not gonna run like crazy. So so we'll see. 
I, I think your point taken though, Will, that you, you do want to like examine how you feel about guys, even like a guy like Hollywood Brown, it's one, it's one game, but like, let's say you were just down on Hollywood Brown, you should start to at least think about raising him in your rankings. I, I, I get your point, but. And, and Trey, yeah. Trey, I get your point too. But like, okay, Mike, Ev- Mike Evans, two for 28, you know, like what are we going to sell matter. Mike Evans now? I mean. Mike, Evan, Mike Evans put up five 1,000 yard seasons. Cordavis put like zero. And now, now we're going a to French wide receiver too last year. I mean, come on, it's like, you act like he's done nothing at all in his career. Yeah, you know, but so so now the let's take the last Bengals wide receiver to flash in week one was Tyler Boyd, and now we're now we're just going to discount this. It's the same team, it's different coaching staff. I get all that, but uh, like now he's flashing, and we're just going to discount that heavily. Well, I, I just don't understand. I'm not totally – no. Hey, just to be clear, man, I was like the original John Ross truther. I loved John Ross coming into the league, right? I took him way too early in rookie drafts when he came out. So he's very talented. And, you know, what I consider uh, – I mean, for, for me, though, still, like a, even a 2022nd is, is a little too rich for me to send for John Ross because I just want to see more, man. I just want to see more. And, and I, you're right about Corey Davis. There is reason to be concerned. I get it. but. I've seen I've seen more out of Corey Davis. I saw an amazing player performance against the, the the Patriots a couple years ago in his rookie year. I saw some big games last year. Let's see some more from John Ross before we jump on the John Ross hype train. You know, is that fair? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I just the, the the conversation around it and values and what you're trying to do in your leagues and trading, like, is uh, it's pretty fun. It, it is fun. So. I, I, here's the guy I want to ask you guys about. I, I think we probably need to wrap up here soon, but one of the hot guys coming into the year, Curtis Samuel, right? Curtis Samuel. It's like, Oh, get Curtis Samuel. He's going to blow up. He's going to be the man. Um, he <laughs> caught three balls for 32 yards guys. That's it. Three, three, four targets, three catches, 32 yards. And I know Cam had a bad game. So maybe this is, is not fair because Cam Newton's going to have better games than he did last week so you know he's a guy that you know Stefan Diggs I mean he, as you said what was there 10 attempts for was it 10 completions or 10 attempts for Kirk Cousins well what, what I heard was 10 attempts but okay. I feel like it might have been 12 attempts but it doesn't really matter between but two, so D- yeah Diggs yeah. just two for 37 that target chair though was 20 <laughs> percent. You know that's right I guess yeah it's, so. it's like so odd that was such a bad game yeah, he only had 10 10 attempts yeah, that's, and I started him in a league. He had a, a rushing touchdown. Thank goodness. Oh man! So, I, I guess my getting back though, I, you know, well, I mean, these are two interesting guys because Diggs, you know, you're hearing the storyline. Okay, they're not going to throw the ball as much. Maybe Diggs is a guy you want to sell. Um, maybe the same with Adam Thielen, uh, and then Curtis Samuel. I mean, what do you guys think of Curtis Samuel now? I mean, he probably lost any value that he acquired in the offseason but how do you guys feel about curtis samuel he's a guy that i sold in in multiple places this offseason kind of with that hype similar to chris godwin i I just yeah the hype the hype was very very real on on curtis samuel and so i again he's gonna have some big games right he's that kind of player he's very electric but for me i think it was more of a product not as much of not believing in Curtis Samuel, but believing highly in DJ Moore making the, the, the leap this year and becoming kind of more of an elite wide receiver 
one, you know, high and wide receiver two. And, and then knowing the, the fact is that Christian McCaffrey is going to be the centerpiece of that offense. So I, I just think with Christian, Christian McCaffrey there in the running game and the passing game and the DJ Moore, I feel like being the wide receiver one on that team, you're just really shrinking down the opportunity for Curtis Samuel. So three, three catch 32 yard games are, are going to be within his, you know, range of outcomes week in and week out. Now, you know, is there a, a five catch 110 yard performance with a touchdown or two coming in the next few weeks? Probably because he's an electric yeah. playmaker, but I just don't think he's going to get the volume to support where he was being hyped this off season. And I think yeah. most of the people hyping him this off season, were kind of expecting him to be like a one B to uh, DJ Moore. And, and, and for, for me, there was always a little bit bigger gap between the two. Yeah, if, if one week is any indication, DJ Moore had 10 targets versus four for, for Curtis. Yeah. Well, then, uh, Curtis got the, the Harmon bump because he's a, a really great route runner. But it also was discounting that DJ Moore couldn't become better as a route runner. You know, like, if you don't, like, calculate in progression from wide receiver from year one to year two, especially come from Maryland, the quarterback that – ran a ton at Maryland like his target share was so high and his yards were so high because that offense was bad even though in college this year that offense is amazing uh it, it does but to me that does matter and, and that coming into it I, I think Curtis Samuel Trey as you said he could have a you know four catches for say 130 yards and he could have like a sneaky run for like 45 like he could put up the best wide receiver week uh at any point in time, right? He he has that ability pretty easily. But I, I think he would, he should have been more of a fade coming into the season, but he, he's had some uh, pretty big hype train behind him. So I offered – this is a league you guys aren't in, and I'm very curious. I'm very curious about this trade offer because I got yelled at via email back. Uh, I offered Zeke Elliott for James Conner, uh, Curtis Samuel, and a 2022nd. And the person like basically accosted me that I was super dumb and that this was a ridiculous offer. What, what side were you? The Zeke sending Zeke for that. Oh man, really? I would, I would <laughs> say, wow, I would, uh, sold. <laughs> if I, yeah, I'd take Zeke in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, it was, wow. it was a pretty demeaning response back. I, I was honestly like, oh. would have been, I I like, honestly would have been offended if I were on the other call. side. Yeah. I was thinking that's what I thought you were saying. I, I was like, like yeah. I, in my head, I was like, well, I mean, honestly, Will, if you sent me Connor and those pieces, you know, from, from Isaac, <laughs> I'd be pretty offended. But the fact that it's the exact opposite is kind of mind, mind blowing. It's right after my Connor take. I'm still pretty hyped on Connor. Don't, don't get me wrong. The week one, Patriots nonsense. Roethlisberger looks super bad. So, but uh, in general, yeah, I sent that over. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll buy a little high on Connor. And I'll get Curtis Samuel who could be, maybe be a piece to move before the season starts and a second for next year. And I got yelled at very heavily via email. A lot of exclamation marks. I, I bet now this week he's going to send you that offer back. Like, oh, maybe Curtis Samuel. Because I think that's the thing. I think people. I'm mad at him now. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're in a fight. Because I, I think there are certain people that people just get fixated on going into the year. And it's like they, they still hold that value no matter what. And, and who knows? Maybe we're maybe I'm wrong about Curtis Samuel. Maybe he will turn out to be this high end wide receiver two or something. But you know the the early returns are not good. It's a, but it's one week, so he could still do that. So I shouldn't 
totally discount it. But. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? You just did. Always. Is Todd Gurley a buy right now? Yeah. In, in, in Dynasty? In redraft. So, okay. I don't know how much you guys looked at that game or watched that game. Do you guys have any idea of the snap percentages between the running backs for the Rams? Especially the first half. No, just, just, I don't. I don't I, know the breakdown of the first half. I, I know the entire game snap percentages. I think it was like like Gurley was like seventy percent, right? Seventy percent. Yeah. Yeah. Brown was twenty seven percent, and Henderson was like less than three percent. And and what's funny is Malcolm Brown even played nine special team snaps. I mean, Todd Gurley was on the the field for fifty four offensive snaps, seventy percent. I mean, like. I understand that his usage and I understand you can't like, I think snap percentage is something that I'm watching. It's a slippery slope. I think you do have to be careful. Um, but I, I just think for, for running backs, it's a little bit more impactful. And I am just beginning to wonder if Todd Gurley, you know, what, what we're seeing as far as the usage, you, you know, you saw Malcolm Brown get those two touchdowns this week and, and kind of got those higher leverage, um, rushes but I, I really wonder if we're not going to see you know the Rams be a little bit smarter on the front end and, and then when things really hit the hit the grind when we start getting towards instead of last year where you know they basically were hardly giving him any touches at the end of the year maybe they're going to do it a little more at the beginning of the year I don't know just something to something to keep an eye on something to, that I thought was very interesting the, the other running back snap count that really surprised me was if you look at the Ravens and, and I understand that they blew Miami out. So this bears watching going forward, but Gus Edwards led that team in snaps at the running back position and, and justice Hill really was right there along with Mark Ingram as far as snap percentage. So bears watching moving forward. I'm not selling Mark Ingram. I'm not saying that Mark Ingram is a sell, but after putting up a hundred yards and two touchdowns, I just think, you know, in a game where Lamar Jackson had three rushes, um, man, I just – I like Mark Mark Ingram a lot, but I just wonder if, you know – I don't know what he'd fetch right now, and, and I'd probably be a little nervous selling him because I think there's a potential if that offense continues to play really well and, and the defense is as strong as we think it is. I think he could be a running back one this year, but just kind of things to keep in the back of your head as we move forward. Hey, Trey, what about Gus Edwards as a guy to get thrown into deals? I mean, I mean, do you, is he a guy you want to have in your roster? Sorry, you, you cut out a bit there. What was uh, the question? Gus Edwards, is he a guy that you want to try to get thrown, <laughs> thrown into deals? Like you're making a deal, you need to close it. Do you want someone to throw Gus Edwards in? I mean, because like in shallower dynasty leagues, he's probably out there on waivers right now. Yeah, I do. I think he, I think he, he falls along the, you know, he's, he's probably in the top six or eight of those like handcuffs, if you will. I mean, he, he, he led this team and, and I understand that this game was well in hand, but didn't Lamar Jackson play the entire game on offense? Nah, right? RG3 came in in like the fourth quarter. Okay. But he, but he played Maybe 80% third? of the game. Uh, yeah, I don't so, know like, I mean, if, if they're keeping Lamar Jackson out there, then, you know, the fact that, and, and I don't remember the exact breakdown. Actually, I can, I can pull it up as we're talking. Um, but, but yeah, man, I, I think it's a, you know, this, again, is probably going to be – it's going to come down to Baltimore and Seattle as to which offense has the most rushes 
in the NFL this year. And, and I understand that, you know, the, the, it's now this incredibly dynamic passing offense and Lamar Jackson had five passing <laughs> touchdowns and, you know, he's going to break Peyton Manning's passing records and all these wonderful things. But this offense is going to run the ball, right? This week one was a complete anomaly. I mean, they scored 59 points against the doll. I mean, they destroyed them. So Gus Edwards, yeah. So offensive snaps, Gus Edwards, 29, Justice Hill, 23, Mark Ingram, 25, right? Very evenly split. But what happens if Mark Ingram gets hurt? What happens if Justice Hill get hurt, gets hurt? Now all of a sudden you've got all of these snaps being split among these three running backs, dropping down to just two of them, right? And if this offense is going to be really good and, and the defense is what we think it is, um, you know, the Steelers looked abysmal against the – I mean, the, if you really look, I mean, the Ravens look like a lock to run away with that division if we're going to really – you know, completely overreact to what we saw in week one. So I think, yeah, man, it's, he's definitely a guy that I want. I mean, depending on the length of your, the length of your bench, um, I think he's certainly worth having. What happens if Mark, if, if Mark Ingram gets hurt, I don't see them giving, you know, 25 or 28 touches a game to Justice Hill. Um, so, you know, Gus Edwards becomes a guy that's, that's probably looking at 15 to 18 touches a game and yeah, probably sure. all the goal line work. Yeah, it's a guy that was dismissed and and forgotten about, and he could be a a, a nice you know piece you can you can plug in and play. So, so guys, we should we, go well, ahead. Well, based off week one though, I'm the only one that took the Ravens out of the AFC North. You're welcome. Uh, Excellent. Even though Baltimore is in the North, the uh, very very odd. But uh, <laughs> no, the the that whole game though, it, it's, I feel like week one of this year has been so wild. And after looking at week one previous stats, it's been pretty fun that this one is, is more wild than we've ever had. Like, Terry McLaurin, what are, you, what are you guys doing about Terry McLaurin, you know? And that should matter because he, like, <laughs> he had a better Ross, better game than John Ross had in his first entire two years, you know? And yeah. He was a third-round pick on offense that was supposed to be absolutely horrible. And it's when he scored his points, it's when that game mattered. He didn't score his points in garbage time. Like yeah. his, his touchdowns came in the first half, yeah. or his touchdown came in the first half. And, and say what you want about him. And I know that Washington offense is horrible, but he is he's kind of the de facto wide receiver one in Washington, right? He is their wide receiver one, and there's value in that. So I think he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Um, and you know, maybe a guy to acquire that would, would help. I don't know if you can really count on him though this year for your fantasy teams, but he, he's interesting to me. Well, I, I, I like him and I, I know maybe your next question is what would you pay for him? I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, I, no, I think this is the time you sneak in Terry McLaurin for JJ Arcega Whiteside. This is the time to do that. Okay. Answer, that's interesting. Oh, man, I don't know that I, I – because I do have, you know, some hope for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as we – as he is Ortega. I'm not changing. You can't change me. Which <laughs> side of that are you on, Will? You're saying you would move Ortega-Whiteside? No, I'd move McLaurin for Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, no, oh, I like that. Oh, okay, I see That's what, what you're mean. saying. That's yeah, what yeah, I, mean. I, I thought you were saying the reverse. Because you probably drafted uh, McLaurin like the fourth round <laughs> – and I, I, I really love our Sega Whiteside in that offense. Yeah, me, yeah. Me, me too. That's why I was like, I why like is that so against me all the time? <laughs> no, 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 I just, I just, we're the like, fantasy <laughs> bros. I mean, Joe's. So, no, I think our Sega White, I think our, our Thiga, as Mike Tyson would, 
eloquently put it. I, I think our Thiga Whiteside would be a buy all season. <laughs> I, th- I think he's going to be a buy, man, because, you know, D- Deshaun Jackson, he's, it's not yeah. just a deep threat, right? I think he had eight targets in that game. He, he's being targeted, and yeah, they, they have targets. ten targets. Maybe it was eight catches. I, I know that he's – Monster made, game. Lots of volume. And and I do think, man, the Zach Ertz regression is happening because they, they've just got so many weapons in that offense. I think that there's a legitimate possibility that our Seagull Whiteside essentially has a, you know, kind of red shirt, quote unquote, red shirt year. And we'll, we'll end up being a guy that's worth buying as the season goes on. Even, even two years out, because they did guarantee Alshon's contract for next year when they restructured it after I think the first game that it's now guaranteed for him next year. But Alston is not the – he's not the character of health for the most part. And you saw yeah. uh, Arthur Whiteside kind of fade in the background, you know. Like, this is – that McLaurin-Whiteside trade, I feel like could be done, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think there are people – yes. No, I, yes, I like that deal a lot. I like that deal. And I don't think, I don't think it's like a, a big win on either side, but – I will take the Arthur Whiteside side of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean McLaurin could be a, a solid, you know, fantasy asset for you. But yeah, the, but I think a Whiteside has some some major upside. I, I mean, yeah. So I, I like that deal a lot. Yeah, and, and and give me give me one maybe two more weeks of the committee approach in Philly and in Detroit as well, and I'm going to just start hammering the carry on and Miles Sanders shares. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, you guys know, of course, I'm a huge fan of Karen Johnson. Um, really? It, oh, good to know. He, I didn't know. He, I think he, we all got on board. <laughs> we all hopped aboard that one trade. We all did. I, I have to board. Uh, yeah. At the and end. He, so. he, he ended up, well, he ended up being in the top 10 in snaps on, on Sunday. You know, he, he was, he was in for 50 snaps and, and I know that, you know, Detroit had quite a few snaps in that game. Um, but you know, I, I think that there's some, some definite, um, in, in improvement, hopefully, I guess the best thing for Carryon Johnson is probably the fact that Matt Patricia is not going to be their head coach in twelve months. That, that that's that's what I was going to say, Trey. I so, I, st- I still think this year he's not going to have the numbers we all want him to because of Matt Patricia. He just isn't is not a very good coach. But that's the thing. Buy buy him Dib- as the stock goes down. Wait, and who's worse though, him or Terry Bubble? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, one of them cost them the game. <laughs> No, yeah, it's a good. I don't know, um, but but it's it, yes, I think that's going to happen. They're going to have a new coaching staff, so looking to the crystal ball, they're going to get a new coaching staff in that hopefully will know how to use him, and then his stock will go up in twenty twenty. So um, this is a great. I don't even think for this season though, it's a great like chance to try to scoop up carry on cheap. Yeah, but there's a chance he could blow up. I mean, you know, it, it's right. It's not like he he didn't you know get touches. I mean, you know, he had sixteen carries. He had. Uh, you know, two targets, which is a little disappointing, um, very disappointing. But but no, it's not, you know, yes, he could still break out this year. But I just feel like Matt Patricia is going to screw it up for all of us, you know. And they really had that game in hand, if you look at it. I mean, I, I didn't watch the game, but they really had that game in hand until the the super late rally. So, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. I don't think I, – I think that there's going to be very few instances where – you know, running backs are getting 20 plus touches in today's NFL. There's, there's a very select few. And so, you know, I think that you're going to have to find the guys that, that play in offenses and are in the situation where you can get, you know, 15 to 18 touches is, is going to be what you are hoping for. Right. I mean, 
you know, there, there's few exceptions to that. And there's probably, you know, only five of them, right? It's, you know, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, McCaffrey, Barkley. I mean, Gurley was there, but even he's not anymore. I think Connor's there um, too. Connor, yeah. Um, so I, I think that it's you've just got though. a very – yeah, you, you know, you just have very few guys that you can lock in for 20 or more t- Zeke, I didn't mention Zeke. He's the other one. Um, so, Too you know, I, now. I, I, think that you, I think that you just have to even – I mean, having Kamara, right? Like, you're, you're looking at probably 18 touches from a guy like that. And the reason that we love someone like Alvin Kamara is because he could put up 30, 35 fantasy points on 18 touches. Um, especially in PPR leagues because he catches so many passes. So, you know, I think for a guy like, you know, you said it, Ryan, you know, 16, 16 carries and two targets uh, oftentimes for someone like carry on is, is going to be enough to, to, to put him in the top 12 or 15. So I, I think that there, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to see some leveling out, but then, you know, we're going to, we're going to see some guys continue to struggle and, and there's going to be some real buy opportunities. It's every, every year it happens, right? And sometimes you get them right, sometimes you get them wrong. But, you know, you stick to the guys you believe in and, 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 and jump on the talent, right, and because you, the situation changes so, so frequently. It, it's odd coming into this season uh, with the way the targets were the first week because last year the targets were all just the studs for the most part. Uh, I think the biggest shock was uh, like Jared Cook. Like that, that, that's basically it. In, in like the top like 20 you know 25 and yeah. so I, I think we're in for a little bit of a uh projections roller coaster and I, i'm not exactly sure how to how to treat it like if somebody went and now paid up in their redraft league for mclaurin or even even uh aj brown like i, I don't fault them at all for that and you know follow follow the targets a little bit crowd that crowd Hey, hey guys, let's, we, we should wrap up the show and maybe look ahead a little bit to week two. I don't know if, if we don't really have any formal hot, bold, spicy takes prepared, but do you guys have any hot, bold, spicy takes? Any thoughts looking back to week one, any final thoughts or looking ahead to week two? What do you think we're going to see? Any, any, any bold predictions here? Hold on. I want to go with a bold <laughs> prediction. I, and, and this is, this is a la, Will Greenwood. I think Will Greenwood, and I don't think he got it right as far as the timing, but I remember he made the call last year that, that Tyrod Taylor was going to get hurt. Baker Mayfield was going to come in. And, um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it was no. like, that was like week four or five or six. <laughs> no, but maybe what? week eight. Who what happened? What, I, I, I just remember you, I just remember you mentioning it. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to call, this is the week that we see Eli Manning, replaced by Daniel Jones and and we see Daniel Jones rally that team. I think, I think that they play the bills. Is it the bills this week? Yeah. They, oh, play, yeah. The, they, they play the bills at home. I think the bills come out and I think that Josh Allen goes, goes down the field. I think they get, you know, the, the giants get down by 14, maybe even 17 points in the first half. And, and all of a sudden we see Daniel Jones come out in the second half and, and lead the team. To a, to a comeback victory. I can't wait to see that transition. You know, Daniel Jones is a guy I'm excited to see take the reins there in, in New York. All right. I, that's, that's fun. <laughs> I don't know that the Giants are, they're so stubborn. Oh, I'm gonna go, gonna uh, uh, that's fun. Carolina Reaper on that tray, just for what it's worth on, on our scale. That, I mean, it's, it's week two. That's pretty well. And I like it, but 
but I like the call. Like that's a. Uh, I, 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 I think I'd go Carolina Reaper as well because I just think the Giants are so stubborn. I think they're going to stick with Eli way longer than they should. I think we'll definitely see Daniel Jones this year, but I think it's going to be a while. They, they'll have to be like eliminated from the playoffs formally before. They basically are after week one that they yeah. looked horrible. <laughs> uh, but it was against the Cowboys. No. They made Michael Gallup look like an all-star wide receiver. Like he was high up there on the target. Like, the target share this season is just nuts to me compared to last year. If we're just going to do one year versus the other, we had all these studs. Anyway, anyway, yeah. pivot, Ryan. All right. So m- mine is just going to be that the Arizona Cardinals are going to go into Baltimore and they're, they're going to, I'll say they're going to win because I, I don't think that Baltimore defense is, is as good as it looks against Miami. Cause they, they, you know, it was Miami. So, I know the Arizona Cardinals defense is, is bad, but I, I think they're going to take some momentum in and, and, and pull it off. So that's my, that's my bold prediction. That's my hot, bold, spicy take. I'm no longer giving you points for over-unders in, in winning a game, Ryan. That's just not fair. So I'll go no. milk. <laughs> well, I'm never going to predict a game again then because Baltimore, you know, they're 13-point favorites at home. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? Something better. Just, just something better. <laughs> all right, Greenwood, let's hear yours then. All right. All right, all right, all right. My boy, my boy Duke Johnson in full PPR will finish as a top five running back next week. Uh, they're going to Jacksonville, and they have a little bit of expanded wide receiver core, potentially if Kiki comes back. But I, I, I like that matchup. It's at Houston. I, I maybe he will perform well and i'm i am kind of fantasy reaching here because i want duke to do well and then uh i think that i think that we're going to see mccall hardman finishes a wide receiver two this is a, this is a parlay uh a wide receiver two in full ppr next week against oakland wow that's that's a lot to happen i'll go i'll go carolina reaper i'll be much nicer to you than you were to me wow because that's I will very generous that. i was i wasn't thinking that was no, that I, don't think, it's that, that I don't think it's that hot because hopefully, you know, again, fantasy reaching for McCall Hardman. It's pretty hot. So, even though I don't have anywhere. But you have a rookie. I know he's in, I know he's in the, the, the Chiefs offense, but you, wide receiver two, and you got Duke to be a top five running back in PPR. After, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. So. I, th- I think that's that's a that's tough to get that combination, Trey. That's that's yeah. not easy. Yeah, that's true. I, I just think that the the realm of outcomes there is is you know, I mean, Sammy Watkins last week was the wide receiver one. So you know, I think to say Michael Hardman can be, I mean, he catches a sixty yard screen pass that he takes to the house, and he's a top twenty four wide receiver probably. So, but, and but the, Duke John, the Duke Johnson thing's a little bit more unlikely, but I think you know where the the key would the key will will be, you know, if he gets, gets a couple touchdowns. But, yeah, I, I think – no, I'm good. I'm good with it. I'm good with Carolina Reaper. The, the, the thing about Sammy Watkins is we've seen him do a couple things multiple occasions. We've seen him have huge games on multiple occasions, yeah. and we've seen him get hurt on multiple occasions. So Okay. Uh, one more time. No Atlanta Falcons player finishes the one. This week? Yeah, this week. Only this week. They're playing against the Eagles at home. So are you – you're asking if that's a hot, bold, spicy take or not? I'm a little confused. No, I'm just adding, just adding it. To the, to oh, you're adding it. Well, the... well, okay, if you want to throw it on there. I mean, like you, can't get any, you can't get any hotter 
but uh but yeah so I, I don't know that one that's my least true one of them but that's just also going into my atlanta falcons at this point <laughs> I, got a, I got a bonus take and this one we don't have to rate this one but my, my bonus take and i really believe in this is that at some point in the fourth quarter, the Miami Dolphins will have a lead on the New England Patriots on Sunday. What? At some point <laughs> in the fourth quarter. This is the Dolphins. quarter? Yeah. This well, four quarters. Yeah. In the well, fourth I mean, quarter. I mean, if, if you look at history, the Dolphins play the Pats really well in Miami. But but this is different, man. This this Dolphins team is, is one of their worst in a Ooh. decade. And they've had some really bad teams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, that's easily Carolina Reaper. I mean – I mean, I guess it's, I shouldn't say that because it's NFL and anything can happen. Like, if, let's say, heaven forbid, Brady goes down or something. I think then I, you guess you sell bets are off. But I know, um, barring, barring injury, the Carolina Reaper. Uh, also, if you guys, this is kind of a fun one. John Ross not only out targets, but outperforms Corey Davis this week. If you're moving Corey Davis, that should be Carolina Reaper. <laughs> come on that's ridiculous what the, no it, it actually should be milk if you just look on like mr S- week one sample size <laughs> well it's almost that's a guarantee locking in Corey davis I mean, gonna have just, zero points all year but all right wait guys, so we should, buying john ross from Corey davis <laughs> we we should we should get out of here um we, this has been a long show it's been fun we've had a lot to talk about but but it's been long so let's say goodbye let's wish our listeners Good luck in week two. Don't worry about week one. If things went poorly for you, it's okay because we're going into week two. It was a wacky week one, as we talked about. So it's a really poor, poor week one performances for my fantasy teams. I have faith in our system. That's right. Yeah, have faith in your system. All right, Corey Davis. That's right. Bye, Corey Davis. Well, you you still can before he blows up week two. Okay, (laughs) let's get let's get out of here, guys. Uh, on behalf of Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Jokes. <laughs> Go pick your Quadri Allison because Devontae Freeman the core.